Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome everybody to this very special motorsport podcast in association with Mercedes-Benz. What do you think of when someone says the word used, old-fashioned, out of tune, a bit scratched, something past its best? Chances are you're not thinking of a Mercedes-Benz. Think Mercedes-Benz approved used, suddenly... There's a lot more meaning to that little word. Visit your local retailer to find your used car today, and you'll see what I mean. I like the way you work Mercedes-Benz approved used. Used, but not what you're used to. This is a very special podcast because, as you may have noticed, we have three drivers here, three guests. We usually have one guest, but we have three guests today um, who have seven Le Mans victories between them. That's right, isn't it? We'll get that right. Good. <laughs> I think so. I know how many I've got. <laughs> so, firstly, we have Richard Atwood. Thank you very much for coming, Richard. Um, winner of the 1970 Le Mans 24-hour race. And we have Derek Bell. Winner in 75, 81, 82, and 1986. And 87. And 87. So and finally... You've got to get very good, Derek. You can't just forget a, a win at Le Mans just like that, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you could lose your job for that. <laughs> and Nick, Nick Tandy, uh, winner outright in 2015 yes. with a spectacular drive through the night, which we'll, we'll come back to in a second. Um, so it's a very warm welcome to you all. Thanks for coming. And I have to start by asking for your, your recollec- recollections on your first ever race. I'm, I'm interested to try and find some links between you three, you three guys. So your first ever race, and I, I can guarantee, I can bet they were very different vehicles, very different races, very different mindset. So who, who wants to start their first ever race? <laughs> All right, I started I'm with a Lotus. <laughs> well, I'm this end of the table. I started with a Lotus Seven. Yeah. At Goodwood, March the thirteenth, nineteen sixty-four. One in the rain, sixty-six point four eight miles an hour. Is that enough? That's brilliant. So, Nick, how the hell do you know that? <laughs> but I tell you why, Nick, because I happen to have an alarm clock, which is what I won—a travelling alarm clock, no less. You won a prize at your first race. I, mean, I did. I did. And it's a travelling alarm <laughs> clock, and on the front of Five it. Five times, yeah. yeah. And on the front of it is engraved the BARC badge, and with those that inscription on. So I, c- I, I look at it every day to remind myself who I am. Mm. So, 
set the bar quite high there. I, I need, yeah, thanks. So. I need average, <laughs> yeah, average speed, <laughs> the, everything. Go for it. Uh, my <laughs> first one was um, 96, yeah. Hensford Hills Raceway, um, a mini 850cc. And uh, I started at the back of the grid because my mother didn't want me to start the first race at the front. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've got no idea where I came or anything around it. But you finished. I couldn't tell you. Oh, I'm God. pretty sure I finished, yeah. Yes, you did. Because we were so confident. <laughs> then we started the next, the, the second race at the front. Yeah, good. And I think it came fifth or so in that one, but uh, the first one was... So Jack, Jack's asking where you qualified. Jack's our online editor, by the way, everyone. I forgot to introduce oh, you, uh, but welcome to Jack. So, Jack, <laughs> what was Sorry. your question? <laughs> I think mum's gone. But where oh. did you where, if your mum made you start at the back, where did you qualify? Oh, it's, it was graded order. So novices and lower, yes, right. yeah, lower point scorers always start the front, right. and then the stock car racing, the the high point scorers start the back and work their way through the, to the front. But if you're really, uh, if you're really scared, then you can start the back as a novice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Richard. Then o over to you. First race. Well, uh, mine was also a Goodwood. Uh, it was a standard ten. Okay. And it was my father's car that was used during the Suez crisis, which was 1955. So this was, um, well, I don't know if it was 58, I guess. Okay. Um, um, and I, there's actually a picture of the car in Autosport. I have no idea why, because I wasn't anybody. And uh, I can't tell you where I finished, but I finished. Yep. But actually before a Goodwood, before you um, could uh, race there, they, they, you had to do a, I don't know about Derek, but at my time you had to do a regularity Okay. Session around the track, yeah, yeah. Uh, for about um, quite a long time, uh, maybe yeah. half an hour, three quarters. Really? And if you went too slow, they'd ask you to come back when you've got a bit of speed on. Um, uh, and if you were too fast or reckless, they would chuck you out. So it was quite a serious thing. Yeah. Uh, and we know it's a dangerous track now, and but I don't think it was sort of that way then. I've no idea why, but I do remember that. And I drove all the way down from Wolverhampton to do that. Yeah. Um, no matter where, so it took me, oh, I don't know, seven hours to get there. <laughs> in, in the car you raced? Or yes, did in you the standard 10, because you, you raced, raced, yeah. It's the only yeah. car they had. <laughs> yeah, it's the only car I had. And um, so I did, I did my bit, yeah. and they said that was fine, and I was totally elated to think that I had done it something right for once. Yeah. Uh, and then I drove all the way back home. The whole trip was, uh, well, I, I, was, uh, I drove back on adrenaline because I was so yeah. happy to have done that. And then I went to do my first race uh, from that. Fantastic. Yeah. So now I, I can't think of a link at all between those. I, first of all, I thought it would be a four-cylinder front-wheel drive front-engine car because you had a four-cylinder front-engine. Yours yes, was a four-cylinder front-engine. <laughs> Standard front 10. Front-engine, four-cylinder, rear-wheel drive. Four-cylinder front-engine. So four-cylinder. Right. You all yeah. started in four-cylinders. And both are Goodwood. And you two are Goodwood. But there were yeah. very few. Almost <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but there were, there were very few front-engine drive cars, front-wheel yeah. drive cars at yeah. that time. Yeah, very Minis. few. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There you go. Goodness okay, me. Well, there we go. But he, but he had, mm. I mean, he was in the modern era then. Oh, the well, mini. He, he's a young man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, basically <laughs> classics in okay. 96, weren't they? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they were. The mini came out in, what, 57 or 58? 59. 59. It came out. 
That's right. So yeah. Sadly, I know all of my mini history. Yeah, racing them for me. ten years. <laughs> ten years. Yes. <laughs> Good God. I think you should tell us a story then. I think if oh, there's got to be within the ten years, there has to be a story of. Have you each got a mini story? There we go. That's. Have you have well, each a of short you got story? A, you mean? Well, none uh, of your stories are short. You mean a mini story? <laughs> I haven't. Got, oh, I have a story in a mini. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I have one, so I can get mine over with quickly. Go on then. I drove the Feld A. Sorry, yeah. I drove the Feld A, twelve seventy three or even more twelve seventy five or twelve ninety three, Feld A engineering uh, Mini Cooper, at Alton Park, and I remember I thought I was going very well until I spun, he hellishly at the hairpin. You remember the hairpin around the edge of the lake? And oh, I sort yeah. of looped oh, it off up there, and I don't know yeah. what happened. I didn't crash. I just you spun, but you know, in those days, if you spun, you'd had it. So I just—I don't know where I finished. But that was the only tale, really. But at least I spun. At least I drove one. <laughs> and then the other one was—I used to tow my load to seven with one. But carry on. There you <laughs> go. There you <laughs> that is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so come on, Nick. One of, well, a story from from the ten years of, of mini racing. Oof, mini racing. Um, I've got plenty of mini roadcast tales that shouldn't be aired. You shouldn't probably, yeah, <laughs> probably let my mum know about those, but uh, I remember having to weld the f a floor back in one of my racing cars here at Silverstone, actually, because yeah. it failed scrutineering. They didn't seem to, uh, too impressed with the a rusty car being presented to, <laughs> to go racing, but um, other than crashing lots and blowing many, many A-series engines up, yep. And spending many a night in the garage putting the bloody things back together on a Saturday night before between qualifying and uh, and the race. Were you a good mechanic then, or a good welder? <laughs> Be honest. You learned. <laughs> <don't> you <laughs> learned a hell of a lot. I right? yes, I could. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of work on en engine work and gearbox work. Must have seeing. helped you when you drove for Porsche the first time then. At Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> It would have helped this year, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shall, I, shall I move on swiftly? Or Richard, unless Richard, you have a mini story. I don't have a race uh, mini ever. Um, but I, I remember going to, I think it was Zolder, and uh, we were going to go driving with David Hobbs, and we wanted to have a really economic car. So uh, my father had garages, so we borrowed a mini. Yeah. And uh, we went across on all these uh, awful roads that were bad in those days, back in the early 60s. And I swore never to drive a Mini again <laughs> because it's so such short wheelbase. You went down every dip and up every dip. It's the worst trip, road trip I think I've ever had. So I never drove a Mini again. Never and that did. was worse than a standard 10, so you can well, see what it's about. You can 10. see where his standards <laughs> I, I were. Loved, I loved my standard 10. It was a great yes. little car. It really was. Right, you know, we, we've, we've had some fabulous questions from, from our readers, so I'm actually going to dive straight in. Um, and the first one is from Anthony Jenkins, and this is uh, for Richard and Derek. Do your Le Mans successes feel sweeter for having to share them with only one driving partner and not two? Well, I mean, I don't know, because we only ever had two. Uh, yep. Maybe Derek had three, so he might be able to do the comparison. But I don't, I don't think that really makes a lot of difference, uh, really. Um, because you're all, you're all doing your bit and I think you all feel that you've done your bit well, hopefully. And so it, I don't think it would make any difference to me. But, but maybe somebody who's, who's had uh, four or even five co-drivers might think they may, might feel less part of it. But for me, I only ever had one, so I can't, I can't answer that really. 
Now, obviously, um, I, in 1980, I drove the first 12 years in sports cars, basic, uh, with just two drivers, that I, as far as I can remember. And I know with Jackie Ix, um, he wrote to me at the beginning of 83, because we had one in 81 and 82, and he wrote to me and said, I think it's time we had a third driver. And I was absolutely stunned. It hadn't crossed my dense mind that it was probably a good idea, because many, many of the other teams had three drivers. But I got so used to doing it with him, of course, by now, of course, the cars were getting more ground effecty, and uh, because the 962 had been out for two years at this point, and um, so I, I wasn't at all keen. And he said, "Who should we have with us?" And I wrote back and said, "I've no idea. Mm. Nick Tandy's not around it, <laughs> so I uh, couldn't go for that." So, um, and Richard's too old, and so um, that was the end of the story, really. But no, seriously, there was no. I just I said I got so used to sharing I got so used to the relationship with him which sounds weird but we'd done four or five four Le Mans together and I think we'd won three of them so um, you know we had a great close relationship and I just couldn't see sharing with anybody else it never crossed my mind that I might be getting tired in a race um, and I just said I didn't know and so we actually went just the two of us and the other team cars at Porsche had three in and I think Jochen and Jackie no, it was, who was Jochen with that year? Anyway, I think he only had two. And uh, Jackie and I were together. And, and then there were three in the, tr in the sort of guest car, which was Early Hayward and, and Al Holbert and Jürgen Bath. And, of course, they won. And we were so knackered, it, would, it really kicked us in the teeth because we actually finished 26 seconds behind at the end mm -hmm. after being, you know, flat, having kept breaking something, something else would break. So... It was uh, it was a f that was the last time we drove with two drivers. Then after I drove with basically with Al Holbert yeah. and Hans Stuck yeah. uh, as well. So. so did it did it feel did did the success or or, or the, the feeling feel thinned out because you had the extra driver in there? No, or what did I did notice did what the, the way I did see it was that with two drivers we had a very special relationship, and I yeah. I can't explain that we weren't strange about us but we both <laughs> the funny thing I got so used to when I was in the car I knew he was out or when I was out I knew he was driving I had such a respect for his driving ability that I just knew the car was going to come back the way I'd left it and invariably yeah. it always did and, and the same the other way around and we just had an amazing rapport together people would say well what did you ever say to him I said we never got time to talk because one was getting in, the other got out, and that was it. Never spoke to him until four o'clock the next day. Yeah. But um, I, I just think it was a. I think we had a better rapport just with two drivers than when I had three. Yeah. Okay. Because there's always that. It's that like three people away on a holiday for a weekend, or three guys go away, or you know you go. I know, but you know you sort of have that relationship with two much better than you do with a third. There's always some the third one. Oh, you see old Mick over there, or. You know, and it, you become a little bit sort of somebody could be become isolated. Yeah, I would have thought. Nick, you've won races as a major races as pairing and a three. Yeah, I was going to just say that. Yeah, I think I think you're right in some way. It's you do you have. Um, I spent a long time with one one guy, Patrick, in racing in the states, and you kind of. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. When you're not in the car, he is, and yes. you have a. I always said that I performed better because I didn't. I never wanted to let my Teammate. My buddy down. No, exactly. You know, because he so becomes a buddy, not just yeah. a. To me, the e the extra driver was always a third driver. You know, even at even at, in the factory team, Al Holbert came. Although I raced with him in, in one Daytona three times with him, I got used to driving with him. But when he came to drive with Stuck and I, he was the third driver. 
he only ca he didn't do the whole championship with us, yeah. which is really what you're saying. So, you you know, we had two drivers for the whole year, and then three for that race. So somebody came in, and he he was always slightly the outsider. And I also don't think he got the best out of the third driver, because I don't think he knew the car the way we did. He didn't know how we operated and how Porsche operated. So I think we had a special rapport because of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit different, I guess, this year because we, we do race full-time with the three drivers in yes. um, in the WEC. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's difficult to say because we haven't been together enough time, you know, six months or so, to really know if that's how it, how it works out. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's difficult to say. Do you think you guys would when you When you win, ball? it doesn't matter if there's two or three. When you win together, mm. it's yeah. like yeah. then you're proper team. Do you think you guys would have a rapport? Well, I, drove, I drove with him. You get, you, I mean, you know each other well. You seem yeah, to have a good yeah, laugh. We race them all. Definitely have you good guys fun, have fun. Yeah, we'd have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point about it is, it's deadly serious, but you've got to have a sort of a sense of humour, which I think the British are pretty damn good at doing that. And uh, I think, you know, we would get on very well together. We're, we're all obviously in our, in our time very quick. And that's all you need to be. And if you have a rapport together and respect the other driver, shit, that's great. You know, I'm driving with Richard, which I did. What, what did we do? Watkins Glen together. Mm, Watkins Glen. Yeah, six one. hours. And, um, you know, it was just great. Um, I thought the, the relationship we had, and uh, I think it would be the same with all of us. I think sometimes it's difficult when somebody comes that hasn't maybe raced for that team. Yeah. I don't mean, I mean for Porsche before, doesn't quite know the ropes. But then Porsche wouldn't do that to us. They always brought somebody in that had raced yeah. in a Porsche top car somewhere. Sure, okay. This, interestingly, there's a couple of questions related to um, sports sciences. I think, it's, I think it's our readers are intrigued to know, from your perspective, Nick, you know, how, how important the sports science, the fitness, the, the rehydration side is now. And then from you guys, uh, early in your, your career, um, whether it was even, whether he was even on the table. One of, one of our readers has asked, uh, let's have a look, Griff Jones, um, one year at Le Mans, the Porsche doctors, dietitians had developed their own electrolyte energy drink to better hydrate the drivers, but apparently it's completely disgusting. This is... Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think I know Griff this Jones, if it's the Griff I think it is. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm, he'd better go back where he was. I, but in the beginning, nobody could care a damn about anything. Yeah. It's up to you, it, to what you drank. There was never, I can remember just eating sandwiches during the race. Yeah, I really can't remember anything more than that, and it was always French baguette and ham and cheese, yeah. and um, you know, you never had anywhere to sleep if you fancied sleeping. I never ever slept the whole time I raced at Le Mans in all my years, but yeah. there wasn't anywhere to sleep anyway, apart from the back of some greasy caravan if you were really lucky. But yeah. I think the drinking thing came in. Remember, I did it for 26 years, so eventually or gradually, drink came in, and there was yeah. a particular guy in Cal in sorry from Chicago. I can see him now, but anyway, he produced a drink. And it, everybody in racing in America used to, began to use it. And it wasn't a glucose drink, because everybody says, oh, you know, you should try drinking that, um, what's that sweet drink you have out there? Very popular thing that all the blokes Gatorade. Have. Gatorade. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing you can have, because there's so much sugar in it, apparently, mm. that when you drank it, it would actually take the, the fluids from your, from your bloodstream to dilute it and bring it down to a, a more dilute... Um, digestible drink which cost you energy which cost you yeah. energy yeah. Um, so we I never actually ever used it but this guy produced this stuff and it wasn't that tasty to drink particularly after t 22 hours you know you needed something different yeah. and I must admit I'll be very honest in our period we had a at Porsche we had a really good doctor Dr. Hoover who came from the Mannheim Institute 
Medical Institute of Sport or something. Charming man. But you can imagine the good of it. He turned up on a Friday night with a race the next day. So, oh, yeah, get into my... My kept fit now. Oh, the race is in about 12 hours. No. Yeah. So it was actually a waste of time, and you keep giving little capsules of this and capsules of that, and you, know, you feel good, <laughs> and off you'd go, yeah. as far as I'm aware. But uh, we, really, it, became, it really didn't exist much. I think BMW were the first people to bring it in, and I, can't, and I remember that was during the, the early 70s. They used to have training, uh, training stuff. I went on one, because I raced for BMW one year, and we, we used to go, I remember we used to go to San Moritz, um, for our training sessions, and we, they were very intensive. I mean, they were horrible, but <laughs> they did. They were the first people I ever drove with that yeah. that ever sort of bothered about our, you know, being our digestion. And Richard, the 1970 race was famously one of the most. Well, uh, you know, there, were, there was no. Um, I mean, now there's a masters of dietitians and doctors and medics and all sorts of things. We we had nothing at all. Uh, it was down to the driver to sort themselves out as to uh, what they had during the race and everything else. Nothing was laid out. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was down to, to us. And I, I, the only thing I used to do, personal, my own personal training was was just me. I didn't go to a personal trainer or anything like that. Um, now you would, of course. Um, so I, I just ran around the block in uh, green spot um, gym shoes which probably didn't do my ankles much good but uh it was it was self uh, you had to look after yourself and yeah. the more driving you did then the easier it became because then just the physical act of driving gives you you know the muscles you need mm. um and hydration i was never very good at hydration when i was uh, young and somehow i didn't really need it i mean it sounds silly but but I, I, it's more important now, and I did suffer with kidney stones in later in life, right. which of course is, is lack of uh, hydration. But I got away with it when I was younger, and so and I finished when I was only thirty-one. Yeah. So I didn't get to the stage where I need to look after myself sure. better. So I suppose I did it in my my younger years, and so and yeah. I was finished with it then, and it didn't matter anymore. Yeah. So Nick. Your turn for the contrast I mean, now. Yeah. <laughs> this is but honestly, it's not it's things you have access to these people. Yeah, and some some drivers, yeah, they're religious about. I need to eat this. I need to drink this. I need to do this. But personally, I see it. I came into Porsche, or I came into professional racing when I was twenty, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight years old. Yeah. yeah. So I'd already done fifteen years of kind of privateer racing when I've known what my body needs and what I need to do way before I've got professional help sure. so right. for me personally I my body tells me when I'm hungry I eat if if I fancy pasta I'll eat pasta if I fancy a chocolate pudding I'll have a chocolate pudding in the middle of a race yeah. um, I, I try to limit the kind of <laughs> keep it as simple as possible because if you need to drink these certain these electrolyte stuff and then it's not there you're thinking oh crap where's my I'm going to need this otherwise I'm right. not going to be able to Becomes compete for three hours yeah. Yeah, I need to get yeah. out of the car yeah. where you know you just keep everything simple and if your body needs to sleep you, you can fall asleep if you're hungry you go and eat something I, if I may uh, say I, I think he's so right that if if you fancy eating one particular thing you should eat it yeah. um, unfortunately yeah. we got yeah. swung around that actually you must eat that we, we were sort of advised to drink and eat what we 
we were told to eat and drink. Mm. But I remember mm. once at the Nürburgring in the Mirage, and I remember I drank, I came, I so thought, you know, Nürburgring 1000 Ks was six hours. It was bloody hard work. Mm. You know, two drivers around there, 33 laps mm. in total. It doesn't sound much, but it was. Yes. And I remember sort of, I came, it was time to get in again. And I sort of took, I came in, I went, I saw this jug of milk and I went, oh, great. And I grabbed <laughs> it and drank it. And then went back in the car and the seat had moved, all the leather had fallen out the seat because it was actually sitting on the chassis. My head was hitting the back and I ended up throwing up, which of course you can imagine. <laughs> Coagulated milk in a bell, <laughs> bell helmet isn't very pretty. Anyway, but that was it. And it, it, ever after that, I was very rigid about what I drank during the race, whereas mm, before sure. it didn't seem to bother me. Yeah. And now a message from Mercedes-Benz, who are our partners in these podcasts. If you're looking for a special birthday gift, the Drive and Dine package from Mercedes-Benz is perfect for any car fan. Not only do you get an hour's AMG driving experience and a free passenger ride, you'll also enjoy a two-course lunch for two in the Gullwing Bistro. It costs £245 per person. Simply quote Drive and Dine when you call 0370 400 4000 to book. Booking is open now and terms apply. The number again is 0370 400 4000. You mentioned the Nürburgring. Um, and one question, it's a very simple one, best circuit to race on. And if you could go back and race at that circuit, which car? Mm. Well, start that so in, because I keep answering the first yeah. car. I'm still in the light. It's a Mini 850. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. It's probably the most fun it's racing we've ever done. Graham but, Harris um, has asked this question. One car, one race, one circuit. All right, how about Bristol Motor Speedway in a NASCAR truck? Because you've not done it. Because I've not done it, and I'd love to have a go. Yeah. And it's oval racing, which is where my background is. So. Yeah. But yeah. favourite track is Nürburgring North Loop. Yeah. Yeah. Richard. Uh, I, my favourite track in period was um, a track called uh, Claremore Ferrell. Mm. And uh, that was a circuit built around a mountain. It was five miles long. It combined bits of everything, Monte Carlo, Nürburgring, Spa, and, uh, but hugely dangerous. Mm -hmm. There was a downhill straight, and uh, you'd go far faster than the car could go and more. And at the bottom of that, you got a hairpin right. And if, if something didn't work going down there, you were just going to die. Mm -hmm. And um, but it was it would had so many fast sweeps up a hill and down. The topography was good too. Mm. That was my favourite circuit, and it was in a single seater, so it would have to be in a single seater. And the car mm. that I drove then was a was a Lola. Mm. Um, but yes, I would have liked to have had something a bit better than a Lola. But other than that, um, uh, you know, a small engine capacity car where you've got to be neat and tidy. Yeah, that 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 would have been my my choice. But, but I wouldn't do it now because it's too dangerous. <laughs> too dangerous, yeah. And was it the rhythm that made it good? It made it uh, so just with track. so many different um, corners that you and you you know it's five miles long and it didn't because of certain you you sectionize certain yeah. parts of the circuit off and then you it starts to get easier you know mm. and there were a lot of really fast uphill turns and they were nearly flat but not quite you know and, yeah. and it really tests you. And a, a big brows to go over and then really tight corners. It, it combined everything. Yeah. Uh, fabulous yeah. circuit. Fabulous yeah. track. Uh, it's not. It's only half there, I think, now. Yeah, sure. I, I haven't been back ever since. No. And um, I, I loved it so much I got 
the fastest race lap. I don't think I ever won there, but uh, but I love the circuit. I really yeah. do. Well, believe it or not, they're having a celebration there next year of certain number of years since it opened or closed one right. or the other. Yeah, okay. they, I, I met know. the guy the other day at an event somewhere in Europe, and right. he said, would you like to come? Because I raced there. Mm. In fact, in my very first Formula One race for Techno, which yeah. wasn't my first Formula One race, but should have been for Brabham, but ultimately it was a Techno, and we went all the way to bloody Clermont Ferrand for the French Grand Prix. Went out and did practice, and every session I went out in the car went slower, but I kept changing it, and I kept changing it to get it go around the corners. Couldn't figure it out. Arrived on race morning, and David York, he put the team together, who used to run the Gulf Porsches, and he'd put this program together for Martini, because it came from the f sports car program. And, they, and, and as I walked in, David was standing with his legs sort of astride the car, and he said, I'm sorry, old son, you're not driving it. I said, oh, God, can you imagine? After a year and a half of waiting for the car, it wasn't really... And I went, I don't believe that, David. He said, look here, old son. And there were nine bolts that held the, the engine. They tried to do a, a Cosworth-type situation to bolt the engine to the, the rear wheels. And in fact, uh, four of them had broken. That's why every time I went out the car, it actually got worse in the corners. It was gradually pinging off bolts that held it, to <laughs> held it together. So, but it was a heck of a racetrack. No, I think the Nürburgring, as he rightly says, yeah. And maybe spa. Certainly, I love the old spa, but it was bloody yeah. dangerous. But there was something electric about that place. And I mm. think Elkhart Lake in America is pretty special. Yes. I always like, seem to like longer circuits than short Mickey Mouse things with, with seven corners. I like 17 sure. corners, if possible. Yeah. Minimum 17. Yeah, something like that. Yes. <laughs> and the car. Need the car as well. Oh, yes. The Sorry? car. Need so the car. So one, yes. one car, if you, if you could have... Oh, one lap, one such car. A, such yeah. a, they're so difficult to say. I, 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 really difficult. Mm. Um, but I would say one of the f best cars I ever drove was a Ferrari 333 SP. When I that only drove fun. it at Daytona and Sebring. But it was so bloody fast. that for Basically a Formula One yeah. monocoque with a three-liter um, you know, flat 12 engine in the back. It was absolutely... You get out grinning from ear to ear. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was no technical bollocks on it. It was actually a real race car. Yeah. You know, anyway. I, I remember you raving about that car because mm. mm. it, uh, it was a really, f for, the, for that short era, it was, yes. a, it was a really up to speed car, That's wasn't right. it? Up to date. Yeah, really on it, yeah. Okay. Um, this, this is a question from Roy Beddo. Thanks for the question, Roy. Um, it's specifically aimed at you, Nick, but I think. I think you guys as well, would be some great insight from you as well. So um, for motorsport and Porsche fans in particular, your 2015 performances were sensational. I guess you know this person, right? It's actually me. Talking about your wife. Um, to name just two of them, your stint through the night at Le Mans and the overall win in the rain at Road Atlanta in a GT yes. car. I agree. Belong in the pantheon of great drives by any measure. Mm -hmm. Behind the wheel, Behind the wheel, did you feel something special at the time? Some sort of rare oneness with the machine or an out-of-body experience even? Uh, no, but... It's <laughs> 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 just Ryan. kind of what we do. And if you're lucky, you get a good car, good conditions at a good time. And uh, people asked that, that. We had a great year in 2015. Yeah. We won all sorts of things based around Le Mans. And I, we won championships in... WEC and IMSA, and big all these big races, and uh, and uh, and people said, "Did you drive better that year?" Or you know, you've been. In I said, "I just managed to find myself in the right place and the right car at the right time." Yeah, mm. and I was, you know, it was it was all part of that. I think one thing that did stand out at Le Mans that year it was 
obviously the the second race that the three of us had done in the car. So we did a fair a fair bit of testing pre-season and we raced at Spa as a warm-up. But kind of the first time that I really felt on top of the car and that I was absolutely 100% in control of everything that was happening with it was during the race. And okay. um, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, that, that probably showed a bit, the fact that we were... Um, so competitive at that at that time and at that point of, of our development of a, the three car the three driver crew of that car yeah. that came on so strong in that race and then obviously went and won but um we drive so much and um we've done it for so many years that it's it becomes th that's my comfort zone and that's my relaxation zone is when i'm in a car and it, you know you're you're driving flat out that's that's normal mm. and uh it's that's it's not a out of body experience it's a complete inner body experience because that's just that's just what i do and yeah. uh, i guess it was i guess it's the same for for all of us is when you when you're on top of the world and you're doing these sorts of things that's that's what we do that's yeah. uh, I think that really, if I may interrupt before you speak, and your mouth was still closed, so nothing was coming out. I'm being a little nod. I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I watched Nick's race uh, at Atlanta. Le Mans thing I was watching too, but you don't really watch Le Mans. It's too bloody long to watch. <laughs> but, um, um, especially when you've done it that many times. Not 12 o'clock at night. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that road Atlanta race, I thought was fantastic yeah. that you did. And um, I couldn't quite believe it. And I... It's strange thing, we were talking a little bit about it earlier, not how wonderful he was, but the fact that how much we enjoy that sort of racing in America. And I, I had a two or several races, several, several races, because I raced there a hell of a lot in sort of the IMSA series in the Lernbrow Porsche, you know, running 750, 800 horsepower and those things. And the tracks were so conducive to just f actually attacking them so mm. hard. And a number of times that I remember we were in a race and if we actually could knock another three quarters of a second off our lap time, we had a chance to win and you'd go through. And uh, although you're driving at 100%, sometimes you actually run at 105 or 101 or 110%. Mm. But you're actually in your comfort zone. You think, yeah, but I was quicker before. Why aren't I doing that now? That was when I was flat out. So what am I doing now going that much quicker? Because there's a carrot up there and it's mm. calling you through. His was the victory, which was massive, and, from, and, and also his particular one, Atlanta. Because the fact is, he wasn't leading all the time. I mean, he pulled mm. himself through from positions as, as we had done as well over the years. And they, I remember thinking, I wish I had another race like that, because somehow mm. those sort of races brought more out of you than you ever imagined. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what, and I don't think everybody can do that, but I certainly know certain people can just sort of bring that extra bit out when they had to. Yeah. And you can't say why. Why do the cars suddenly go quicker? Mm. Yeah. You know, but you just managed to find something because you felt so at ease with it. Yeah. Is, is there a moment yeah. that I you think, think I that? Think, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think you get totally consumed in what you're doing. Um, the car has to be really good. Um, and you do, you do get out of it probably more that was certainly more than you thought was possible mm -hmm. and it's difficult to believe that anybody else actually whoever it might be could get it get as much yeah. out of that as well yeah. uh, and it it's i suppose it's almost a self-belief as well isn't it mm -hmm. um but you have no time to think about anything else you're no. totally absorbed to a degree that that might almost seem dangerous in a way 
but you're not in danger. Mm. You're not. It's you. You. You're. Uh, you're on top and above everything. Mm. You're right on it, and you're right on top of it, and you feel it. It could lead to something that you know might be very unfortunate, um, where your self-belief actually is beyond expectation. Yeah. But what we're talking about, what we have been talking about, you haven't gone that far, and yet you're still blindingly fast. Yeah. Interesting. Going back to to your point, Derek. I remember a long time ago I interviewed you, and you, you told me that every now and again you'd have a word with the car before. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Is this how you got the extra five percent? I don't know why that's stuck in my mind. Yeah, no, but it's, it's right. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I mean, you don't talk to a car. You're su- I'm such a twerp. But I, there's nobody else to talk to, so I may as well talk to the car. But you know, I mean, it, it, you're in it, and you know, it's sort of. You'd, I remember the nine three five. You'd get in it and get hold of the gill lever and say, right. I mean, this thing had what seven hundred odd horsepower. That bloody. And you get hold of it and you say, you start it up brum, 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 like that, you know, and you get hold of the gear lever, this bloody great thing sticking up level with your shoulder. You say, right, it's either you or me today, but it's today it's me. And you get it in the first gear and off you go. And you would, <laughs> everything was a major, it wasn't none of this finger stuff. It was like, whoa, 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 you know, up and down the box and, yeah. you know, coming in a corner. I mean, it was magic. It was amazing to sort of attack it. But it's rather like we're all saying you had to get into a, a rhythm whereby it wasn't normal actually to drive that sort of car yeah. but you had to get into this uh, outer world really just to, ex- to experience it and get hold of it okay i'm going to ask you about your cars now the three of you are here today because you have a car each effectively that's been crafted around um signature aspects i guess of 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 your successes so uh, can i hear it from from your own words tell us about these three the three cars that have been created by porsche who's going to start richard you start you tell me about your your 911 well they're all i think they're all the same they're all the same yeah. uh, they are they are but we did uh, we chose the specifications i think we pretty much because we're racers we think in a similar vein i suppose and they're not necessarily the cars we would order for ourselves but as at the time, and even now, we weren't going to have to pay for anything. Um, you know, we all have that. Yep. And limited slip diffs, which is, I think, quite, quite unusual, really. But um, uh, it, it was, was personalising everything you would, could possibly want without, you know, silly stuff that you don't really need. Um, but it was all, all, all poor performance related. Yeah. Um, we, we all chose four-wheel drive, which sounds silly, really, when it should be a sports car. You know, here people and Top Gear guys hanging the tail out and all mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. But we want to be we want to be swift and safe. Yeah. Uh, and and sure, really, um, and and four four-wheel drive is is a, is a, you know does have advantages over two-wheel drive. Yeah. Particularly when you get up into the horsepower stakes, and these cars are quite quick. Um, yeah, you 3. know, 3.6 seconds, not to 60. Uh, well, that, yeah. They're quick, else, um, isn't it? <laughs> and, and there's no, there's no loss, or, you know, yeah. or dry takeoff. Um, and they're, under, they're 450 horsepower, whatever they are. And, uh, you know, I, for, for what we want to drive on the road, that's what we would want. Yeah. So we have uh, the Porsche Salzburg red and white livery for, for your car, yeah. Richard. Yeah. We have the, um, the sapphire blue metallic. Which you've very kindly colour coded for us today in the <laughs> very <laughs> nice <laughs> in the podcast. And Nick, tell us about yours. Yes, it's white, <laughs> <laughs> just like the nine nineteen that we, like that the we won with. Um, yeah, 
adorned with, you know, uh, special graphics on the side, a, a road car bearing all of our our signatures. That's um, good, mate. That's a good feeling, window. is it? Yeah, it's um, unbelievable. The yeah. fact that Porsche are going to go and produce these vehicles in their on their production line, yeah. based around what we've kind of sat around a table and said, yeah, we'd like to do this and we'd like to do that and we want a bit of this and we want... And then they turn around and say, no, you can't have that and you can't <laughs> have this. But, um, you know, there's certain aspects like uh, we all... We're all racers, so things like the the all the... The suspension systems, the rear steer, things like this, it's all standard kit. You know, it's yeah. an option on most cars, but it's just standard because we're going to have it. Oh yeah. Right. All the performance stuff. Yeah. Things like the PDK yeah. gearbox, the yeah. fastest shifting gearbox that you can have from yeah. Porsche. So it's in, it's yeah. that's, that's in the car. Yeah. Manual, obviously, is an option for people that, that want to do this, but... Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, other special stuff like uh, the, the Alcantara that... Um, that we have all over the, the the race car. That was something that I wanted to put in. It's 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 in the Le Mans car for a reason. Mm. So you know, for for light dissipation reasons and 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 yeah. touch surfaces. So so want to have it have more of it in in the in in my road car. We yeah. told um, <laughs> Sam van Holkenberg. I've uh, I've sent <laughs> him some sneaky <laughs> pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um, very jealous actually. That's really. Uh, Awkward, yeah. <laughs> 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 but they look great, you know, don't yeah, they? They do. You know, a red, a red, white, yeah. and a blue car, yeah. British yeah. Racing Legends Edition. Yeah, it's yeah. lovely. Carrera We're very lucky. GTS. I mean, Crikey. I keep saying it for his. You know, he's being such a young guy. He could have two or three more before the end of his career. We're sort of at the sort of the the, the tatty edge of, of our life, and um, you know, we get the, the honour then, and nobody else has really done it anywhere before that I'm aware of. Not, uh, I mean, they might have done one for a particular driver, but for us to have them with our names on is pretty special and is sort of a great accolade after all the years we've done and all of us have put through into it. Do you still have your 924? <laughs> Carrera GT, I do, yes. Very much so. Actually, a gentleman came up this afternoon to discuss it because <laughs> he saw it and he said, what's that doing in our dealership at the moment down at Bournemouth? So, yeah, I still do. I mean, it's 36 years old. It's amazing, isn't it? And it still goes like the wind. Actually, not today it doesn't, but it was when I took it to the yeah. garage. But <laughs> no, it's just it's super. Yeah. I'm afraid we have to wrap up. Um, really, really pleased to see you guys together. I mean, it's been, been a fantastic day, and I'm sure we could talk for many, many hours. I'd love to be able to get you guys back on a Motorsport Magazine podcast, so let's, let's see if the planets will align to make that happen. But um, thanks very much for joining us, and um, thank you very much for listening. What do you think of when someone says the word Used, old-fashioned, out of tune, a bit scratched, something past its best. Chances are you're not thinking of a Mercedes-Benz. Think Mercedes-Benz approved used. Suddenly, there's a lot more meaning to that little word. Visit your local retailer to find your used car today, and you'll see what I mean. Mercedes-Benz approved used. Used, but not what you're used to. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.